right, Ben. Louise. What's our theme for today? Tear jerkers, Louise. Tear jerkers. <laughs> Sad sack books. Hello, you're listening to Dear Reader, a book talk show featuring chatty librarians bringing you reading recommendations and a whole lot of book loving. I'm Louise Cadell. And I'm Bernadine Nolan. And we're coming to you live from Melbourne Library. Before we get started, we want to remind you that we'd love to hear what you're reading. So tweet us at Melb Library with the hashtag Dear Reader. And you can download previous Dear Reader episodes at SoundCloud or iTunes by searching for Melbourne Library Service and subscribing. Yeah, subscribe. And all the books we mention will be listed in our show notes on our Goodreads page, which you can find on our website at www.melbournelibraryservice.com.au and it's on the read page. Why this theme? Because they're actually usually very good sellers. Yeah. yeah. They, they do hit the bestseller list. That is a good point. Actually, I thought about it, uh, I was thinking about when we thought about this theme of A Little Life by Hanya Yanagihari. Mm. And I haven't read it, but everyone mentions it. Everyone says, have you read that book? It's amazing. But everyone also says, oh, my God, it's so sad. It really killed me. And that made me never wanted to read. I don't want to read that book. <laughs> Nicholas Sparks. Yeah. yeah. It's like, why? Get well, the tissues out before you open the first page. Yeah. And it, but it got me thinking, though, because I thought, mm, I don't I don't want to read it because I don't want to be sad. But, um, you know, intentionally. I don't mind when it sneaks up on you, but it kind of seems, seems a bit masochistic maybe mm. to sort of um, knowingly put yourself in that situation. Yes, that's probably why. I don't know about you, but I didn't go for any biographies. No. Oh, I'm with you. Yeah, I, I didn't either. But it did, it did make me think. I actually had this moment in the library last week when I was talking to a patron. We actually went to see – we actually had a film screening showing – and it was for Reconciliation Week and I was chatting to this lady and she didn't seem too sunny and we were sort of having a little bit of pre-chat before the event. And I said, look, just so you know, you know, this is this is about Indigenous Aboriginal history. It's not going to be a happy screening. Mm-hmm. You know, so if you don't feel like, you know, watching something that might, might make you a bit sad. And she said to me, no, that's fine. I am happier to to know that I should be crying over someone else's misfortune rather than my own. And oh. I thought, oh, that's that's an interesting way to look to at look this. at that because I thought, yeah, you know, sometimes it just made me think though, there are sometimes in life when you might be particularly down or just not feeling great or, you know, sometimes books can be that release for you, I mm. guess. And she was just saying, you know, sometimes I'd prefer, you know, to watch a sad film or to read something sad that... It's, that releases the exactly, emotions. Exactly, exactly. And sort of puts things in perspective for yourself as well sometimes. Sometimes. So, yeah, I thought that was a bit interesting. I was like, oh, this got deep real quick. Yeah? Yeah. Well, know. I suppose it's the same as humour in books, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. Everybody needs a little bit of light. 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 Light yeah. and dark. Light but this is all dark. about cry. Cry, <laughs> baby, cry. <laughs> it's all about sad. Um, we could break out into... Crying in the chapel, but we won't. Well, we could. You could. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. All right. Do you want to go first this time or do you want me to go first? Oh, well, I'll go first. Brilliant. Now, 
This is not going to be a surprise to anybody who listens in to our podcast, Louise. Oh, twist. Okay. Twist and shout. The first one I read or read a few years ago was My Sister's Keeper by Jodie Bacall. Yep. Oh, classic tearjerker. Classic. Classic. So this particular book tells the story of a girl who decides to sue her parents for the rights to her own body. It tackles a controversial subject with grace, maybe. Uh, but essentially this explores what it is to be a good person. So whether you like Jodie Picoult or not, she does have an insight into the hearts and minds of real people. And in this, My Sister's Keeper, it is an emotionally riveting story of a family torn apart by passionate love, conflicting needs, human weakness, human despair. It centres around at a girl who's 13. Her name is Anne. Uh, she's undergone countless surgeries, transfusions, but it's not her that's sick. It's mm. actually her sister, Kate, who has leukaemia since she has a child. So, it, and this is where it does get a little tearjerkery. Um, Anna was conceived as a bone marrow match for Kate. So it's a life and a role that she'd never challenged until now she's getting to puberty. And as most teenagers do, she's pushing those boundaries. So she has the other aspect of always being defined by her sister as well. And I think you you can often see this when you know there are families who have sick children. Often the sick child is front and foremost and the other kids in the family are sometimes left behind. And it's not intentional. It's just that mother's father's love for that child to try and do anything they can to save them. And also just all your energy goes there, doesn't it? Yeah. It's, so I can't imagine that the all-encompassing nature of a, of a incredible illness. It just takes all the air out of the room. Yeah, it does. Um, and I know people who've read this who have um, loved it. I know people who've hated it. And people that it actually um, offends because of their beliefs. Mm. So It was pretty controversial when it came out, I remember. It, it was because mm. at that stage, I think, yes, people did have other children to substitute a life for a life in a way, but it wasn't acknowledged as such. I don't know. But... The book does examine what it's meant to be a good parent, a good sister, a good, a good person. And is it morally correct to do whatever it takes to save a child's life, even if that means infringing upon the rights of another? Mm. Should you follow your heart or let others leave you? So it is a controversial real-life subject that unfortunately many parents have to come to grapple with at some stage, hopefully it's one of those hard life decisions. Mm, full on. It's been quite sensational though, isn't it, really? It's not part of what makes that book so sad because it's just what would you do in that position as well? 
how would you it does make you question far out you, you don't envy someone in that position no. and you don't wish you could make those and there is no right there is no wrong you do what you have to do at the time but mm. um yes very emotionally draining as are most of her books and always controversial they yeah. always seem to raise issues or subjects often before they become um talked about talk, or talked about or advertised yeah, a little bit like Lionel Shriver in a way, I suppose. Very, very similar to yeah. Lionel Shriver. I always think of them in the same boat. They're not that similar, but I just, I just, in, I don't know. There's something about the context or what they write about that I find similar-ish. I think they have uh, an uncanny knack of almost being futurists and writing about something that in the future does come become yeah. controversial yeah a moral a moral dilemma of, of sorts of sorts so, so in a in a maybe out of five tissues what would you give that one oh, easy three three, three. yeah man four. I, reckon, I reckon i reckon four for that one i mean four for this one particularly at this time <laughs> of year when it's winter and it's so sad and and, and don't stress, dear reader, Burn isn't crying. <laughs> She's got the sniffles. No, I'm, I am. Yes, Dramatic exactly. effect. All right, Miss Louise. All right, my first book, I have also spoken about this on the podcast. So I apologise, dear reader, for harping on, but I'm going to harp anyway. It is Atonement by Ian McEwan. Yeah, it was a, it was a jerker. Reaching for the tissues now. I tried not to mention this book, as I know I've mentioned it before, and the risk of repeating myself. Uh, it's it's an epic, sweeping World War Two uh, sort of a romance. A lot, a lot of stuff happens, but basically, it's about lovers split apart by war, but also a dark family secret that draws them both closer together and further apart. So it's about. Oh, it stems from. Bryony, a 13-year-old aspiring writer with an overactive imagination who misconstrues a liaison between her sister Celia and Robbie, who I think is the gardener, mm. or the, the man about the house who sort of the groundskeeper. The good-looking one. Yeah. If, the, if for the movie. <laughs> the really hot one. <laughs> so, and it basically what she misconstrues sort of sets off this series of events and changes that changes the whole the whole house's lives, everyone's lives who it touches. So as a precursor, I would like to warn you, dear reader, I sobbed like a baby at the end of oh, this book. Oh, you softy, romantic oh, so Louis. much, my goodness. But part of it, uh, I was warned when I read this book. I remember a colleague said, oh, you're reading Atonement. Oh, ah, yeah. oh. oh, you don't know what happens. Mm, kind of gave me this like loose touch on the shoulder, like, yeah, you're in for trouble. And I was <laughs> sort of like, well, I can handle it, whatever. And then you know, I was reading, and I'm I've spoken about this before, but I made the mistake of reading the final parts on the bus on the way to meet my dad for a coffee, and it's just it's just never a good idea, dear reader, to. Read a sad book on public transport. You think it's going to be cool. You're going to be okay, but That's you're not. Right. But you're just not. So I was just sobbing 
and I got off the the bus and was like, <laughs> and I saw my dad and he's, what's, what's wrong? That? Oh my goodness, what's wrong? And I'm like, my book is really sad. And you know, he's just like, oh, oh it's like the one I couldn't read the last chapter on on the train because I knew. No, once it starts heading down that territory, just close it, just close it, just save it for another time. It's just not worth it. And the the way that McEwen you know, unleashes this surprise. I found it quite like a punch in the face. It's I was, quite unexpected. It is quite unexpected. And of course, as with all good changes, it changes everything that you've, that you've previously read, the whole story, the whole narrative. And it oh, just makes you really think about, you know, sort of the changes, the sort of decisions that you've made, the things that you might have done in your life that could work in ways oh, that we'd never know. even the things that you might misconstrue. Oh, goodness, Burn! I know. It just opens that whole I can of worm. You start doubting everything. Tear jerkers and sins, oh, dear readers. So I think on a tissue scale of one being lightly dabbing and five being uncontrollable, like ugly crying, Ooh. I think this was about a three and a half. Maybe Ooh. a four, but I think three and a half. Okay. All right, that's what I'm giving it. What's your second book? The second book is oh, Tell the Walls Are Them Home by Carol Rifker Brunt. Ooh, I've never read this, but I've heard it sad. This book was her literary debut, and it is a story of a moving story of love, grief, and renewal as two lonely people become the unlikeliest of friends and find that sometimes you don't know you've lost someone until you've found them. How profound is that? Mm, lovely. This is set in 1987. There's only one person who has ever truly understood 14-year-old June Elvis, and that's her uncle, the renowned painter Finn Weiss. Now, cast your minds back, 1987. Shy at school and distance from her older sister, June can only be herself in Finn's company. He is her godfather, confidant and best friend. So when he dies, far too young, of a mysterious illness her mother can barely speak about. Mm. Obviously, June's world is turned upside down. But Finn's death brings a surprise acquaintance into her life, someone who will help her to heal and to question what she thinks she knows about Finn, her family and herself. Mm. So, at Finn's funeral, June notices a strange man lingering just beyond the crowd. A few days later, she receives a package in the mail. Inside is a beautiful teapot she recognises from Finn's apartment and a note from Toby, the stranger, asking for an opportunity to meet. As the two begin to spend time together, June realises she's not the only one who misses Finn, and if she can bring herself to trust this unexpected friend, he might just be the one she needs the most. So it's an emotionally challenging coming-of-age novel and it shows how compassion can make us one again. I loved this book. It was about the AIDS virus that swept through parts of the population and people understanding, not understanding, not wanting to know about it. And I think that uh, having known people who uh, died from AIDS 
I think it was particularly poignant. So tissue factor lovies was definitely four and a half out of five. Wow. Mm. When was it published? Uh, I'm just reaching for the book <laughs> now. It was published in 2012. Yeah, right. Because I thought it was, yeah, it's quite new. Mm. Mm. So, yes, it's um, beautiful. Beautiful. This copy's not beautiful. <laughs> Looks well loved. Mm. So, but I think too, it's um, they just one of those things that's just, affects many people and it's it's regardless of what disease or illness it is whether it's old age or um an accidental death death is part of part of us and yes very very hard to deal with at times it's yeah i mean and i guess a lot of uh sad books are sad because of you know unexpected death or unfair death or um but I mean a lot of it's love as well issues with love issues with oh definitely people and yeah there's there's definitely um themes I guess that Mm. that happen the same but that is you know that's the breadth of human experience and why why we write and why we read exactly you know to go through it but um and to be perfectly honest I originally picked this book up because I like the cover. Oh, that's how I pick books. Oh, dear reader, so Burns dear. looking really disappointed in herself. This no. is how I pick all my books. No, no. <laughs> it's it majority is, anyway. Yeah, it's just a beautiful cover. It is a lovely color. It looks cool. Like, like I love the blues. It's yeah, a blue color. It's a blue lovely, color. Lovely. lovely. Oh, maybe that's the signifier. You should have known it was a sad book. It's oh, blue. Oh, of course. Because my other very sad and tragic book that I did cry at, the one that I couldn't finish on the train, had a blue cover too. There you go. I I think colours have a lot to do with that though, don't they? Mm. I mean, they do have signifiers. It's not, you're not likely to have, oh, I suppose you could do, but I know, yeah, blue, obviously you associate with sadness or crying or... Yeah, interesting. Mm. All All right, right, well... Louie, which one did you choose? My second book... I have also spoken about this on this podcast. I think I have. I haven't spoken about it in terms of a review, but I've, I've alluded it to it. Alluded. I have alluded to this book. It is dun, 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 The Book Thief by Marcus Serzak. Oh. I know, right? <laughs> oh, this is just, this is straight up, dear reader. This is my five tissues out of five. This book killed me. And I think I've mentioned before, but I read this book on a beach in Thailand which is just not the most appropriate way to spend your holiday relaxing and thinking of the horrors of humanity as they played out during World War Two. no it's just not a good idea I think sometimes you just need to step back and think I don't want to read this now I have two copies <laughs> of that book <laughs> it's, it's it's just it's utterly beautiful and it's also but it's it's so imaginative it's narrated by death and it's it's about Liesel, a nine-year-old girl living in Germany during World War II. She's taken in by foster parents who teach her to read and try to shelter her from the atrocities being committed right outside their door. It's also about a lemon-haired boy 
a Jew in hiding, a new mother, and an accordion-playing man. <laughs> the Book Thief is a heart-wrenching tale of love, loss, and curiosity, and the terribly tragic and perfectly heartbreaking love of reading. So, that's that's my little blurb about it. As I said, it was narrated by death, and it deals with issues of mortality, language, reading, the written word, the written word, sorry, and of course, love in all its forms. So World War Two is is another. It's I mean, it's not a genre, it's not a theme, but any book dealing with World War Two generally has or most wars. Yeah, mo- well, most I mean most wars. wars, but World War Two is particularly rich for the pickings for a lot of fiction. I mm. find um, maybe that's just what I pick up, but I, you know, I really wanted to read All the Light We Cannot See. Oh. But I know that's going to be sad, so I didn't pick it up. Mm. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, I'm kind of done with World War Two for a while in the book sense. I mean, I say that, but I read Manhattan Beach by Jennifer Egan at the beginning of the year, which is World War Two again. Yeah. Um, different sort of book. Yeah, completely. And I mean, this the narrator of death is is wonderful, and I it just adds it adds lightness in the beginning but then it becomes dark at the end and it's just incredibly moving and I love that it's it's also a, a book for a book lover you know you, you go with Lisa on her journey for you know her yearning so deeply to wanting to read and escaping with all those books and how it just Ooh. brings so much happiness and joy and just pulls everyone together it's lovely and you know it's it just makes you think as well of, you know, like Fahrenheit 451, it's you try and imagine a world without book or without the books or without the written word and you think, oh, sad indeed. So that is my five out of five tissues worth of, that's a, that's what I call an ugly cry. There was ugly crying at the end of that book. Like, you know, uh, that crying when yes. you're just like, uh, <laughs> you just, you can't. Like, it's not a little dabbing of the tissue or, you know, like, oh, this is so sad. You're like, uh, sobbing. So that's, sobbing. that's my five out of five. All right. What's your, what's your I've third? I've written about two others. Oh, but okay. I'll yeah. Do, I'll do one. Yeah. And. You can do two if you want. No, it's all right. No, too much sadness. This, um, the next one, The Fault in Our Stars by John Green. Ooh. Ah. You've got like a, yeah, there's a, there's a sickness theme. Oh, I know, but I didn't intentionally. No, no, mean isn't to do that, that strange? Because the other one that I was going to write read about was The Road by Cormac McCarthy. Oh my god, did you actually read it? Which is totally, totally different. So the fault in our stars I knew would be sad because it's young adult, John Green, master, master indeed yeah. of making people cry. And feel and Yes. So it's basically the story of a girl named Hazel who has cancer and she meets a boy named Augustus who she falls in love with. So it's it's, it's bittersweet. Um, the two of them try to deal with cancer, love and books. See? And it's all wound up together. Book about books. Who yes. doesn't love that? It's your average boy meets girl. Girl has cancer. Boy and girl talk about how a fictional book ends the story. So it's it, it is beautifully written, um, and there are parts of it that are just breathtaking. So the characters I thought were very believable. 
and the you can actually visualise these two falling in love when they meet uh, at a cancer support group meeting in the local church hall. So um, one of the reviews that I did read about it said, it is not a sick lit novel, despite having many of the trappings associated with the genre. Wow, so there's an actual, I didn't even think about that, an actual genre sick lit. Yeah. I think that sounds a bit creepy. But then when you, when I read that, I thought, oh, yes. Yeah, no, there definitely is. There definitely yeah. is when you start sure. thinking about For it. For sure. You know, it's, anyhow. So it's basically the surprise that there is a surprise at the ending and it gutted me. Mm. <laughs> I don't know how else to say it because this book is beautifully funny. There are some really caught, cool, there are some pages in it that just make you laugh out loud even on the train <laughs> and it shows that how a short life can almost be with what you put into it such a rich and long life um but I think and I'm not going to say I'm not going to give the way the ending well needless to say they do get to Paris and Aww. this is something that uh she has wanted to do. Oh, that sounds beautiful, but it definitely sounds like a book I would ball in. Mm-hmm. Goodness. Mm. All right. So that was a very, that was a box of tissues, let's be honest. Really? Yeah. So not even just five, a, just, no, just, just the whole box. box. Oh. But remember, dear reader, too, it, these books give you the tissues or you need a box of tissues or four tissues, ten tissues depending on where you are too. Yeah, and that's a, that's an excellent point. If because I have a, I know somebody else who has read the first one, My Sister's Keeper, and wanted to know what all the fuss was about. Dry eyed, entire way through it. Who was this maniac? Oh, no. <laughs> read a lot of literature. Wow. Great reader, in actual fact. So, wow. Hmm. Name will be protected. Oh, of course, of course. Don't of worry, course. dear reader. I'll get it out of burn later. I'll yeah, hunt them right. down. <laughs> so, Lou, what's right. your last one? Well, my last book. It's funny because I, it's you know, I well, it's not funny. Uh, I was looking for inspiration because I was wondering what would, what other people thought. I always, every time we do our themes, I always wonder what other people think of the theme. And, yep. you know, so I looked up um, books that make people cry. And all the books I mentioned, the books you mentioned, they were definitely on that list. You know, some of them were hundreds of books long. Yeah. Um, but I this book was on one list that I looked at and it I had to even think in my head of, uh, I'm like, oh, I did cry. I did cry at this book because I actually don't remember crying. So I thought I'd mention it on the list. Okay. Because it was opposite to the other ones in that it wasn't a – essentially a tearjerker but it still it did make me cry I remembered and anyway so the book is Their Eyes Were Watching God by Nora Neil Hurston and I read this ages ago and I remember raving to burn about it because yeah. I'd always wanted to read it and I I ended up choosing this book because the, the more I thought about it the more I remembered that it really snuck up on me and the reason I included it today is because there were parts at the end that even though I was crying, I actually reread them just mm. because I loved them so much and the, the gravity of the story really hit me and I didn't want it to be over. 
So it was quite sad at the end, but in, in just in that sort of life way, in the way that life in general can be sad, mm. you know, and it was, it was just gorgeous. So the novel uh, narrates main character Janie Crawford's, and I, I ripped this off Wikipedia, and this is, I think, a wonderful quote, and it says, it's Janie Crawford's ripening from a vibrant but voiceless teenage girl into a woman with her finger on the trigger of her own destiny. Which I think is a pretty, like, yeah, it's a pretty great way to describe the novel. And so basically uh, the book is about Janie, like I said, a black woman raised by her former slave grandmother. And her grandma wants her to be happy and not to be used. And it's sort of about the time when black women, black women were getting a bit emancipated from um, slavery and things like that. So she, her grandmother arranges her marriage at a young age, but then Janie sort of rejects that marriage and um, she runs off with this other guy. And then I think the first guy dies and leaves her, the second guy dies, sorry, and leaves her inheritance. So she can kind of finally be, be her be own, her own independent. Yeah, yeah. And then she meets this other guy called Tea Cake. And um, it's just about her life and it's about her finding her voice, about her finding her freedom and her, her person mm. as well. And it's, it's an incredible, it's a really empowering book. And, you know, it's, it's one of those books that people say, oh, she was ahead of her time, but she definitely was because you read it now and it's so modern and it's, it's so applicable to now. And I think she wrote it in 1937 Whoa. and it, it wasn't very, it was only kind of warmly received and it, it went out of print, you know, no big deal. And then it came back into print in 1978 wow. and it's never been out of print since then. So someone had done a thesis on her and she was invited to speak somewhere and eventually they, uh, you know, there was a bit of momentum. So like, oh, let's reprint this book. And, and then it just, and it's been a classic ever since. So, you know, it's just, she, she was obviously an intelligent woman because she wrote this book while she was on a Guggenheim fellowship in Haiti. She was doing research there. So she's an incredibly intelligent woman and she apparently wrote this book in seven weeks and just, oh, you know, did. it's sort of like a, it's, it, there was a comment I read that saying it was like a lifetime of, of rage and happiness and love and everything just in that seven week of, of bookmaking. And it's just, it's gorgeous. And, you know, she sort of, this, this comment I've got from the National Endowment, Endowment to the Arts in America says it best. And they say, to Cole's Aura Neil Hurston's Their Eyes Were Watching God, an African-American feminist classic, may be an accurate statement, but it is a misleadingly narrow and rather dull way to introduce a vibrant and achingly human novel. The syncopated beauty of her prose, so she writes, she writes in dialect. So it's a little bit difficult to get into. It was mm. for me anyway when I started reading it because it's just not a language I'm... It's, it's like reading slang if you've never been to the country. You're kind of like, what does this mean? Um, and, you know, she has comedy in there and terror and violence and love. And it's just, it, it's really transcendent of a lot of labels, I guess, in, in a lot of literature. And it's wonderful. And there's just this part at the end. And that's the part that made me cry because it is very sad. But it's sad in that, that gorgeous that gorgeous reason that you read to mm. to feel human and to feel a shared experience and to to have compassion and to understand that experience because it could have happened to you and it might it might still happen to you and it's just beautiful so it was sort of on the Ooh. tissue scale it's probably yeah. a one you know I wasn't sobbing but it was incredibly moving 
and I did cry. And like I said, I reread those parts because mm. it was just so beautiful and I didn't want the story to end. So there you go. kind of wanted to end, end this on a happier note. Happier note. Yeah. The other thing we noticed too, dear reader, was that so many of these tearjerker books end up being made into movies. Yeah, they're ripe, ripe for um, dramatic interpretation, aren't they? They definitely yeah. are. Actually, my runner-up for this was uh, Never Let Me Go by uh, Kazuo Ishiguro. Oh, I actually feel really bad. I, I remember I recommended it to a lady that came in who was, um, she's very, you know, she said, I want I want a literary book. I want to feel something. And I, I know, I gave her this book. And um, she came back and she was devastated and I felt really bad because I said, I'm sorry, you wanted something. And she said, oh, but you didn't have to hurt me. And I was oh, like, oh, I'm so sorry. Um, but that, and that book has so many themes going on. Yeah. Um, a ridiculous amount that made me cry. We also, I, for this, mm. I also looked at The Time Traveler's Wife. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The Lovely Bones. Oh, yeah. Um, obviously The Road. Uh, what did you think of I the put, road? I put the book thief down. Oh yeah, I thought you might do a the book thousand thief. splendid sons. Oh yeah, Oof, yeah, like stab my heart. And the storied life of A.J. Vickery. Mm, yes, which about. I haven't read, but I have it now to read. Uh-huh. And these were only a, like just a few that that popped out. So yeah, there's a there's good goodness a million a million and one books, and it's interesting, you know, like you said, there's certain books that might make you cry for certain reasons or just at certain points in your life. And I think knowing that books are sad, oh, sometimes it's a bit hard because you think, oh, no. Yeah. You know, You're it's a bit hard to get into them. Preconditioned or, to cry or feel sad because they are they are It's a sad book, exactly. The, probably the better ones are where you don't even see it coming. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Although sometimes I do like to be prepared. <laughs> Cause in public places. I don't, want to say, I don't want to be on the train anymore crying. Um, oh, goodness. And in, in answer to the road, I do like a dystopian novel. Oh, isn't it the best? I just, that book, I have not been able to forget about that for a very, very, I, I don't think I'll ever forget about that book. We will do dystopian novels yeah, at some stage. We definitely will. But until then... It's over now. That's As us for now. now. Thanks for reading. Thank you. Bye. Bye. See you next time.
You can read our show notes, including a list of the books we haven't finished yet, and there are numerous ones, oh, on there? our Goodreads page, which you can find on our website at www.melbournelibraryservice.com.au and on the Read page. We would also love for you to tell us what you're reading or ask us for a recommendation. Tweet us at melblibrary with the hashtag DearReader or join the conversation on Goodreads. And don't forget you can subscribe and download Dear Reader episodes at iTunes by searching for Melbourne Library Service. And if you like what you're hearing on Dear Reader, we'd love you to leave us a review on iTunes. It helps others find out about us and gives us a nice warm glow too. Thanks for listening. We're going to sign out. Over and out. Happy reading. Bye. Take care. Thank you.